Hey, if you've had a bladder leak today, listen up. I get it. I tried pills and pads for years but couldn't find relief until I found Axonix Therapy. It's a tiny device that put me back in control of my bladder. Why not see if it could work for you? Visit findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Hey guys, welcome back to Inside the Five. It's Stav. It's Griff. And I'm Will. And today we're going to be recapping the national championship. We're going to give our little predictions about the Masters. MLB season starts tomorrow. And we're going to talk about the NBA, a little playoff preview. Some teams got eliminated that we might be happy about. So I'm excited. Let's dive right in. Let's go. Let's do it. All right, and starting off today's episode, we're going to be recapping the national championship. Boys, I'm sorry. You know, UNC had a great run. Definitely a memorable one. It beat all the teams that we wanted him to beat, and then it came down to one seed Kansas kind of coming back in halftime and winning that game. Boys, give me your initial thoughts on the game. Griff, started us off. Um, I'm not a guy that likes to do this, and when I support my teams, I support winners. So, um, you know, I got all my teams. We all know my teams. And, and we're here for World Series, for Super Bowls, for championships. We're here for championships. Um, us beating Duke was our championship. I'm, I'm going to crown us that, Will. And I hope you agree with me. Um, to, like, to be fair, Kansas was nasty all season. They had their guys. Um, Abaji didn't do as good as I wanted him to. I had him over in points. He didn't hit that number. Caleb Love got hurt early, also didn't hit that number. I'm going to get more in depth before I, or after I let Will get a few thoughts in as well. Um, but yeah, beating Duke, I've never said a championship. Like, I've never said, like, this is our Super Bowl, like when we beat a team in the first couple of rounds of the playoffs. But this, this was our Super Bowl, and I, I crowned this season as a success. We ended Coach K's career. I'll pass it over to you, Will. Um, I agree. Duke was technically our championship game. We won that. Um, the season is definitely well more than I would say is success, given where we were about halfway through the season, not even projected to make the tournament, and we were in the final. So that's a massive dub for UNC. Massive dub for Coach Davis, too, because like there was a lot of speculation around him starting off his career like as a new head coach, but obviously he, he gained a lot of respect this year. Um, the second thing is for more in depth for the game, um, UNC lost their killer mentality after halftime. Caleb, I mean, uh, Caleb Love got hurt. Um, obviously we were playing with uh, Baycott already injured. He got injured even worse, which was, that was a rough sight to see. I felt really bad after seeing him slip, driving to the paint. And then Brady Manick was getting beaten up all night long. And I was honestly surprised at the calls that they were just missing. Like he was just getting 
abused just in the paint, not even like legally. Like he, like everyone was just elbowing, pushing, shoving him. And like, he was just like some kind of like force, which he is give him credit where credit is due. But like, they were treating him like he was the best player of all time. Not only were they treating him as the best player of all time, Will, but in the first half, it was blatant to me that the way that Kansas was going to try to win this game was not only by being more physical than UNC, but by trying to weaken up a few of our players, a few of our players that are already down. Um, Baycott took a beating as well, but we, we don't notice it when Baycott takes a beating because he fights through it. But it was very obvious throughout the whole first half. I saw Brady Manick catch at least three elbows, at least two punches to the face, mm-hmm. to the face. It was pretty like so unnecessary as well. Like, black a, lot, guys. a lot of a lot from McCormick. Um, it, it really it didn't look legal to me. Um, for a couple of those, it looked very unnecessary. That's the way that they were playing the game. They were getting the calls in their favor. And and you know what? I'm not going to be one to sit back and complain about UNC getting beat up because we're a very physical team as well. UNC didn't fight back. And Will, as you said, we lost our killer mentality. I don't agree 100%, Will, but I think you could agree with this. We didn't lose our killer mentality, Will. We lost our killers. We had a lot of guys out. Caleb Love going out early. I mean, he stayed. He stayed. But him going out early in the second half um, meant, meant a lot for this team. We saw him limping. He did literally all he could. He got up that last shot. In my opinion, it wasn't the greatest shot um, that we could have gotten. I would have rather seen it in the hands of Manic. And I think that R.J. Davis did all he could. Nobody really shot well in this game other than Brady Manic. That's the guy that I wanted um, to have the ball in his hands with that last shot with four seconds left in the and game. And he got pushed That's at not... the end of the game and slipped. Yeah, yeah. But I I'm mean, surprised they didn't call um, an off-ball foul on that. Like that, like he literally got tripped. I mean, throughout the course of the game, it was obvious that they were going to let the boys play. It's a joke that we like to make. Too much. But it's a true Too thing. Much. Um, with, with, when it doesn't fall our way, we get a little upset about it. And, and it's something that we can't be too mad about. Will we lost to Kansas by three points by far the best team in the nation. I would say all year, they didn't get the hype throughout the year. I don't think they had a one seed in the nation at all, even though I believe that they deserved it. Um, we lost by three points. We were an eight seed. We weren't supposed to be here. We beat Duke. This is a successful season. I'm praying that Baycott stays, that C-Love stays, that R.J. Davis stays. Um, Huge, huge, huge night from Puff Johnson. Puff Johnson had around 11 points. I don't have it exactly on my notes, but I I remember this game from Puff Johnson. He was our best player on the court. When he came in, every single minute that he gave was a quality minute. He took a blow to the stomach. Um, In the second half, it forced him to spit something up on the court. It looked like he was dying of a of exhaustion but once again he took an elbow to the stomach um so that might have roughed up things around there as well the whole team just fought i mean you can't be mad at unc for this game kansas was miles ahead of them and that's why they were a one seed and unc was an eight seed um i've been a big fan of hubert davis throughout this whole tournament run through honestly throughout the season even when we saw our slip-ups the one thing I didn't like about Hubert Davis is he knew when we were done and, and he didn't try to fight back harder than the players did. I think that Baycott, Love, Manic, Leakey, they all wanted it more than Coach Hubert Davis. And, and I love Q- Coach Hubert Davis. But when 
when we see players get hurt, and we saw it in this game twice with two different players. I mean, Puff Johnson, at one point, I didn't know what, what was even happening to him. But I saw a lot of negative uh, facial expressions, um, a lot of negative like body movements, just putting his head down. Like That's not something you want from a head coach. Now, that's something that he's going to learn from. But this is a big up from UNC getting to the championship, just falling short. This is big for our recruitment. People are going to trust Coach Davis. And I'm hoping we get a good amount of our guys back, Stav. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, you guys hit the nail or the head of the nail on all the subjects talking about UNC. I that's why I gave it to I you for made, Kansas. <laughs> I made I kind of do want to disagree a little bit about the, I mean they did let the boys play, which is how that game should have played like been played. I think mm-hmm. there was a lot of calls both ways where Definitely. a lot I mean a, a lot of the time, you know, these guys are going hundred miles an hour, they're gonna collide and there's gonna be a foul called or there's not gonna be a foul called because that's the that's how the game was set. And what did I say on Monday? The first five minutes of the second half will determine the winner. And I said, it doesn't matter what the score at halftime is. It's literally zero to zero start the second half because Kansas throughout the tournament comes back and beats you in the second half. And I don't, I, I don't know if I told you this guys, um, but I live bet Kansas at halftime. I was pretty confident in that team to come back just kind of how the pace of the game was going you know, the Stars weren't hitting their shots. And when the Stars aren't hitting their shots, that benefits Kansas. So we both we saw both O'Shea Baji and Caleb Love. They didn't play too well. You know, Caleb Love shot 524, which we, we were very unfamiliar with that. He was going in. I think he was averaging over 20 points a game in the tournament. And he he's not afraid of the spotlight. I don't want to say that because he took the shots. You know, you can't complain if a guy's taking the shots and they're just not falling. The amount of times that shots just r- ended up rimming out, you know, it's it's tough to see. I mean, as I've said this entire tournament, I don't really have a dog in the fight when it comes to UNC versus whoever. I do like pulling for UNC because they were the underdog. However, I was high on Kansas throughout the tournament. Um, McCormick had a great game. That matchup between Baycott and McCormick all game was awesome. You know, yep. and it's unfortunate that I mean, I think we've all seen this clip of Armando Baycott around a minute left in the game when he ended up tripping over the court because the court was loose. So, but I, like, I, I wanted to ask Will this. I and Stav, I think we're gonna ask the same question. Do we really think that the court was like out of? Because like we saw the video, but that that guy has a lot, a lot of weight going towards that court. But to to me, it just looked like it kind of went in a little. Um, and then he and then he rolled it. I think that was just based off his force. You're playing on a football field, so like I I didn't think it was because of a of something that like was messed up with the court. I think it was just straight up because it was like a Zion ripping his shoe moment. Um, that's the way that I saw it. I don't know if there's any disagreements. Well, speaking of Zion, we saw a video of him like weeks ago when he was like he said he wasn't gonna play and both feet as he was taking like off of two feet jump to go dunk it well both I think, of his feet I, sunk into the core obviously I different think that, and stuff like that but like it's still similar situation the, where like force can well the zion the court, court was a practice rehab court so that was designed to actually yeah that was it was like, like that was oh i didn't oh i didn't know yeah. that okay that was like a gym mat court so he okay, would yeah, brace his fall however with the baycott um trip 
I'll call it. We all know. I mean, we're we all played basketball before, like outside. The lit, the I'm slightest playing. adjustment in levels, especially on a court when you're going 100 miles an hour, that can mess you up. You know, he, yeah. I think he definitely tripped over something. You can just see right when the court sunk, he twisted his ankle. You know, yeah. it's I agree with everything that we've said, though. I think it's a mixture of both. You know, like the Zion ripping his shoe thing. That's the same thing kind of with Armando Baycott with he was a little out of control, too, which probably caused him to hit, hit it. I mean, that's a one in a million chance that that happened, because if there was an actual court problem, it would have happened all game. And it didn't it happen all game. Yeah, yeah. That, that move was done all game. So it's just unfortunate that's the point in the game that it had to happen, which caused him to be sidelined and then McCormick hitting what ended up being the game-winning shot. Um, but Kansas, in all the sense, when they came back, I feel like UNC was ready to field that punch, which I also said at halftime, UNC has to be ready to field that punch, and they did. I just think it kind of came down to a few things here and there, but – who stepped out of bounds with like 10, five seconds left? Someone on Kansas yeah. steps out of bounds with um, five seconds left. Was, I thought you. Was, I it, thought was you it Christian Brown? I, yes. It might I think, I think that I, at that point, I actually thought that UNC was going to hit a shot. But before that, they, I think they took two terrible shots. They took shots. No timeout either. Yeah. I, I think after the first shot, they got the offensive rebound right after the Caleb Twice. 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 Yeah. You so got two offensive timeout. rebounds, no you timeouts. Have, you have to call a timeout after the first shot because you have 16 seconds left and you're hucking up what like a shot 10 feet behind the line. Call a timeout, coach. You know, your guys are out of sorts clearly. Set up a play and see what happens. You have a timeout. Why not use it? And he never two. used it, which I never really understood. They had two timeouts, and I'm surprised he didn't call a timeout after he saw uh, Brady Manic trip because yeah. it looked like the play was going to him. After he was cutting back door mm-hmm. open, open on the side of the court, I thought the ball was going right to him because they had eight seconds. So I thought they were designing some kind of like play to run all the way down throughout, and they just took a shot right away, got the rebound, then passed it out again, got the rebound again, and then that was the end of the game. Like they easily had two timeouts if to burn, like they did, but like they had time to burn both of them and still have a good shot. They could have had three yeah. possessions at that final shot. Exactly, exactly. And that's why, Will, I feel like we're a lot calmer about this. Like, we're not as upset about this because you know what, Will? They had their chances. They they really had their chances, and it came down to missing or making shots, and it came down to health at the end of the day. Kansas in the second half, they needed somebody to step up. They had two guys step up, and Remy Martin and, and Christian Brown, who both put on um, beautiful performances in the, in the second, second uh, half. Remy Martin hitting those threes. Every single time he takes a shot – um, with that terrible form, you're like, there's no way this goes. And he shoots it from like his from like mm-hmm. his chest. He, but he is electric. Remy Martin is, and what he did on defense as well, just hustling around. Um, he got a, a steal or two. Um, one that was arguably a block, which is what which was a big one on R.J. Davis. But also Christian Brown throughout the whole second. Uh, it's spelt like Brown, but it's Brown. In case you guys are trying to figure out who I'm talking about. Um, Throughout the whole second half, he was phenomenal. He, he finished the game with 11 points. He started for Kansas the whole year. I think he's won like three state championships in Kansas. He was born like down the road from KU. Um, he is an absolute hometown hero. 
Overall, Kansas, they did what they needed to do. Their coaching was on point. At the end of this game, like when we were when we were up 15 at half, I was like, this game isn't even close to over. We're playing against Kansas. We're an eight seed. We know who we are. We need to keep hitting our shots. And we saw we saw us um fall down to Baylor. Um, but luckily we got snuck into overtime. Um, ended up pulling out the W. We didn't in this situation. We got outcoached in the second half. We got outplayed in the second half. And we just weren't healthy enough to finish the job. There was a lot of injuries in this game. And a big one was McCormick's shot. If Baycott's on that court, McCormick's not even touching the ball. And if Baycott's 100%, UNC wins this game. McCormick doesn't have 15. He has around nine. And I bet and I bet Baycott has around 15 and 20 boards this game if he's 100% healthy. But that's not something you can really be like, oh, that's why we lost, because we knew what was going to happen before this game started. We knew we couldn't rely on Armando Baycott. But overall, it, like I can't stress this enough, a fantastic game, a fantastic Final Four, a fantastic March Madness. March was awesome. I'm glad that we wrapped it up. And you know what, Will? The best part about the end of March is the entrance of April. And the entrance of Augusta National, the Masters, guys, the Masters are here. We're recording this on Wednesday. I just watched the whole par three competition um, between past golfers and, and current golfers with their children, grandchildren. A great, great, great tradition, the par three competition. No hole-in-ones, by the way, guys, today. A lot of great putts, a lot of shots where it was like, I'm never going to do that in my life. But on to the good stuff now. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's the Masters. The biggest news from Augusta Stav, and I want to hear your first thoughts on it, Tiger Woods is playing. I love that. That When I heard that news, I think it came out early this morning or yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, this morning. It immediately – No, it was yesterday, gives, yesterday. Yeah, it, it gives me chills, to be honest, because well, around a year ago or so, we heard about Tiger Woods' car accident where – no one really knew how he would come out. Like Many people thought he was going to die. Many people thought he would be paralyzed, let alone even return to the golf course and even be in the Masters again. And a part of – obviously, I'm going to be rooting for Tiger just because this – it would be very emotional if he were to win. You know, um, I don't think he's going in to lose. So, I mean, if we're talking about favorites, I – hard to kind of root uh think against tiger i don't know what do you guys think about that i mean like you can't root against tiger like that's like the number one rule <laughs> like that you have to you like just can't root against tiger obviously like if he's playing he's doesn't think he's gonna lose like i mean i don't know necessarily do i think he's going to win if we're, if we're gonna break it down that way i don't know but like you gotta root for him it's 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 simple. Tiger Woods is the greatest golfer to ever step foot on a golf course. Um, I watched like a 40 minute video just of his greatest shots. I think if you put together a video of my greatest shots, it would about, be about 20 seconds long. I think I've had like three or four good shots in my life. Tiger Woods, um, when you see him, he's like, I, I'm going to do a little cross sport comparison as I love to do. Um, the way that I watch Tiger Woods is the same way I watch Kevin Durant. He's smooth. He's technical. And it's it's at the point where it's like, 
he's not getting this because of his athleticism. It's because of his knowledge. Like, he knows exactly where he can hit. And and that's the thing that's dangerous about him, that we know he's not 100% healthy. But we know exactly, like, or we know that he knows exactly where he's going to hit every single club. So he's dangerous. He is always dangerous. When you see that man in a tournament, he is a threat to win it. And just like Stav said, he hasn't been here in a while. He's plus 4,000 to win the whole thing. Tiger Woods isn't coming to the Masters this year just to play. Tiger Woods is coming to win. And he did this a couple of years ago. Um, and you know what? I believe him. I, I genuinely think Tiger Woods is going to win the Masters. It's just the perfect storybook ending. I think he'll call it a wraps after this. I think his back is done. I think his body is done. But everything in his mind is still there, and he's still that killer that we see on the golf course. Tiger Woods is our favorite golfer. I don't, I'm, I've never asked you guys who your favorite golfer is. I already know it's Tiger Woods. Every single person between the age zero to 50, their favorite golfer is Tiger Woods. You know, he is the greatest of all time. He he is the reason so many people golf today. He's going to attract the largest crowd wherever he is. And Tiger Woods is back in the Masters. This is exactly what we want to see. And I want to see him in that Sunday red, I mean, throwing a fist up and, and winning it after hole 18. It's going to be a great one. It's going to be awesome. Um, But I wanted to ask, if not Tiger, does anybody else, I'll just leave this open for discussion, anybody else have any names they want to throw out there? I, I threw up uh, JT. Um, I also like Rory McIlroy to make a little uh, comeback because he's been heating up. Um, Will, you, you got any other names that you want to throw up there, potentially winners? I have a few. Um, I like Xander Shoffley. I always like Xander Shoffley in yeah, the Masters. Yeah. He's a top five, I think, lock this year. He's finished in the top five twice in the last three years. I like that a lot. He always plays good the first two days, so he gets a little scary towards the weekend. But, like, he's always someone that's in the mix. Um, I feel like Justin Thomas is low-key kind of a sleeper this year. I feel like he can definitely make a little bit of a run. Um, I, John Rahm is always at the top always is he is one of the this year he he is on the top of his game this year i feel like i i don't know i never liked the first guy to win it in anything but like this year i like john rom could really win it i'm expecting someone to win within like low 1400 odds to like 2000 um i love brooks kepka i like jordan spieth especially at plus 1800 um Hideki Matsuyama defending his title. I don't really when was yeah. the last time someone went back to back in the Masters? If it's been done, I'm not even sure. Um we'll have to kind That's of circle back question. on that, maybe. That's a great question. But um, I mean, I like Morikawa as well. I think there's a lot of people. Obviously, we can list the big names, and a lot of the time, like that's not really who wins. So it's really who's hot and who has a great start to the turn uh, to the week too. So yeah, I I, um, I, I, I like Brooks. Not I did not some hot. research. I, was I knew I knew that only I knew that Tiger are. already won it, but it's also been Nicholas and then Nick Faldo, who, who actually Jack Nicholas today during the Part Three Challenge had a had a few minutes on with the broadcasters. What what a moment he had. 
you guys need to look this up. His wife made like a little tribute video to him because the par three is one of the greatest traditions when it comes to Masters Week. It's like the only day of the week where you can go out there, have fun. It's around the kids um, because your kids are your caddy or in that case, your grandchildren when Jack Nicklaus. Um, I think it was 2008, his grandson, he let his grandson hit on hole four, obviously a par three. It's the par three challenge. Kid hit a hole in one. And it was like maybe one of the greatest moments um, in that part. Definitely the greatest moment in that part three. Jack Nicholas has always said it's been the greatest moment of his golfing career. Um, so like just a, there was a great tribute video to him. And it was just cool to hear him talk. I've actually never seen an interview um, of Jack Nicholas And having him around Augusta with his green jacket on was awesome. Um, Nick Faldo, another guy that was in the par three competition, won it back to back. Um, and then obviously Tiger, I think we all knew Tiger went back to back. I didn't know if there was anybody else. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this year there's a lot, lot of different names that you could see winning this Tiger just straight based off of emotion. We've seen some people get hot. John Rahm is playing the best golf of his life. John Rahm is an awesome golfer, by the way, mm -hmm. every single time it comes down to it, you can count on John Rahm to hit those big shots. JT, Dustin Johnson, Rory, there's there's so many different names that could possibly win this. And we won't see you guys until um, the Masters is over. So I guess um, I'll put in my final prediction just so I can save Tiger from you guys. I'm going to go Rory McIlroy plus 1600 to win the Masters. I think Rory might be able to pull something out of his uh, pull something out of his caboose, Willie. I like that. I like that. Um, hmm. Let's see. Who do I like here? I you can't go against. No, nah, you know what? I'm going to still root for my guy, DJ. I got to root for him. I've always been there year in and year out. So I'm going with DJ. And plus 1,600 as well. I'm going to go Jordan Spieth plus 1,800, I think his odds were. I love Jordan Spieth. That's I think great. he's due. I mean, Obviously, we're everyone's gonna be rooting for Tiger, as we said. Yes. So this is more of like a not Tiger winner because we could all say that's Tiger's exactly gonna win. Right. Yeah. So no, exactly. So you're right. Jordan Spieth is at plus eighteen hundred. Those are our predictions for the Masters. Um, Don't sleep on Will Zelatoris. <laughs> all right, hold on. The Masters hero wanna... of last year. <laughs> the he was awesome last year. The real, the real winner of the Masters. Is the green grass? That's the best part of it. Oh my you know, gosh! The just green looking, grass, the red mulch, the course. Yeah, the red mulch, the green grass, the deep blue mode. water. <laughs> oh, just, just amazing. I mean, in our notes it says Augusta looks like heaven. Augusta is heaven, people. Like, yeah, Augusta is heaven. Augusta is literally where you want to be. It's, it's. I love the Masters. This is the greatest week of watching golf definitely not the greatest week of playing golf here in new england it's going to be raining all week but i know that's i was a good excuse to stay in and watch i was uh talking to my mom before i was like i wanted to come home and golf either this weekend or next weekend but i think it's gonna be raining both weekends it's gonna be stinks however speaking of rain we'll switch over to the mlb where new york decided to postpone their ultimate doom and the Red Sox and Yankees first game opening day gets rained out until Friday. Um, soft by New York, by Nate Evaldi. So we'll see Friday 
I guess, the beatdown that's going to happen. But MLB, not not just overall about the Red Sox, the MLB opens up Thursday, though, which I am so excited. Baseball is back officially. By the time everyone hears this, the first series is going to be played. The Rangers versus Blue Jays, which we get to see Simeon face his old team, Corey Seager, too, that middle infield that they spent almost a billion dollars on. And yeah, so the Astros money. versus the Angels, we get to see the stars come back. You know, no one's talking about Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon's still there, Shohei Otani, and then we get to see the Astros post-Korea. So I'm interested to hear, we'll start off with the Astros versus Angels because this is a divisional game. Uh, what do we think? Astros versus Angels. Um, I'll start off. I think the Angels are going to take this one. I think they started off a little hot this year. I feel like they have a lot of momentum. Granted, they have Shohei and Trout. So, also, I just hate the Astros. So, like, there's no reason to root for them. Um, the Angels, who um, were hot during spring training, they went 11 and 6, won the Cactus League, um, the second best league in spring training. You don't want to play in the Grapefruit League. Um, and that's why the Angels won the Cactus League. Um, but, Angels, Astros, I'm going to take the Astros here. I think that. A lot of the hype's going to be around Shohei. He's the opening day starter. Cool. He's going to hit as well. That is actually cool. Um, Mike Trout is back, right? He's playing? Yeah, he's playing. I'm surprised by that. I think that Mike Trout's going to take a little bit to uh, get into his form that we've seen him in in the past couple of years. And I think that Framber Valdez is going to have a good game, the first game of the series against the Angels. I think the Astros are just going to go out there. They're going to win this first series, and then they're going to see a little downslope later. But I feel like it's going to be one of those where it's like, wow, the Astros beat the Angels. Could they go back to a World Series? I think that that's what's going to be what happens. Um, let me kind of interject right here. Trout mm-hmm. is dealing with a little bit of a sickness, so he might not. Um, Joe Madden expects him to play, but that's kind of just a little, so little explanation point to talk about. But Of course. You know, the great thing about opening day and kind of opening week of baseball is seeing all the prospects who get called up before opening day. And two examples I really did want to talk about Bobby Witt, how the Royals called him up, I think was at, like, that was just a great, I don't know if you guys saw the video, but I he, did. Bobby Witt's one of the top prospects in the MLB. Uh, the manager of the Royals called him into the office with Salvador president, Andrew Benatendi sitting right there to call him up. And he basically said, like, it's go time. Like, you're ready. Keep being you. And these guys are here to hold you accountable. Like, you are going to be that guy. And I brought these guys in here to let you know that this is, like, yours. You know, this team goes as far as you take us, basically, in that kind of sense. And also, uh, Julio Rodriguez. on the Mariners, I love that one. That's my guy. That's my guy. I that, that Mariners team, man, that that lineup is good. The outfield's really good. They you don't know, look I, bad. The Mariners are going to be an interesting team. They're going to be scrappy, especially in the AL West, considering uh, Houston is kind of down in star power. The Angels love getting hurt, so I'm interested to st- uh, watch the Mariners this year, especially because they signed Robbie Ray, they signed Jesse Winker. They they got a pretty good team this year, and last year they they were half a game out of the wild card in that crazy finish in the AL. So. I love the Mariners, and yeah, baseball is back, baby. I mean, if you want to transition over to the Rangers versus Blue Jays, what we think here. Yeah, um, Rangers, Blue Jays, 
um, Semyon in a, in a little return, which is going to be great for for views. It's going to be good for views. The Rangers they spent about five hundred zillion dollars this off season, and the reason for that, well, this is a business, right? And you you build like a four billion dollar stadium to sell twenty tickets a game. You better sign some players the next year. Maybe be a little successful and get some people in that nice stadium. Um, it would be at Fenway if Fenway wasn't an absolute museum and an absolute beautiful landscape. Um, the Rangers forever will stink. So I'm just going to straight up go the Jays. I think the Rangers, they can spend as much money as they want, and I honestly don't care. Um, there are a few names, however, from Texas that I do like a lot and could be dangerous, including Semyon. They have a few pitchers over there as well, a couple of young guys. I don't mind the Rangers. It's just the first series of the season. Um, you you kind of carry over. They're going to stink. Um, my favorite part about the Rangers this year is we have um, passed down a tradition to them as fellow Red Sox fans of Martin Perez Day. So they get to experience that yeah. first. Martin Perez? <laughs> yes. So they get is he pitching in the first series? Mm. No. No chance. No chance. No chance. No chance. Yeah. There's no, no chance. chance. So there's I'm glad no that chance. Rangers fans get to experience the Martin Perez experience. Um, it's it's quite interesting. It's fun. It's You'll we love it. Like seven Martin Perez days. Maybe 10. <laughs> seven worst days of my life. <laughs> it was awful. It's so um, bad. No, I definitely think the Blue Jays are going to win this game, and I don't think it'll be close. Um, I'm going to kind of interject and go with the opposite of Will's standpoint. I think there's a lot of hype on the Blue Jays. Like I do too. Hype. I think it's a little. I think they're a little too overhyped. They, the, they were number two in the power rankings. I think that's crazy. Yeah, I think that's I. That's so stupid I mean, though because they weren't even a playoff team last year. They weren't a playoff like, team last year. Are, if we're gonna really talk about like what I, all right, let me restart because I'm a billion things are going through my mind right now with this Blue Jays team. They're very young, like. Regardless of talent, they're very young. And obviously, I don't really want to see them thrive, especially being in the same division as the Red Sox. However, they're young. Expectations are set. World Series are bust right now. You know, they got a little bit worse, in my opinion, in the offseason. Their bullpen is still god-awful. You know, you lose Marcus Simeon, who was an AL MVP candidate. How are you projected to be better when you're losing probably your second best hitter? You know, obviously you still have Bo Bichette and Vlad Guerrero, but Marcus Simeon was a huge part of that offense and losing him is going to kill. I mean, and you lost the AL Cy Young, right? And Robbie Ray. I mean, they did exactly. sign Kevin Gosman, who's a good piece, but Gosman's been inconsistent throughout his career. So that's not a guarantee. And they signed Yusei Kikuchi, who... All-star last year. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're... 
Team ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. But um, Jose Barrios. Yeah, well, Jose Barrios coming back. That's a pretty, that's a good piece. Yeah, yeah. He's pitching opening day for them. So, it, I mean, I don't want to set the expectations for the Blue Jays at World Series because they're young. They don't have any experience. So I don't know how you can set it that World Series when they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, let's pump the brakes a little bit. MLB Twitter on the Blue Jays because we've seen it many times. Like the, the Padres, Padres. they're I feel like they're the Padres of last year. They very well could be. Mm-hmm. You know, they very well could be. It really takes one God forbid injury mm-hmm. on like like if, yeah one person. And, it could be yeah. It could be Biggio. It could be um. I think they have Chapman now at third. It could be Vlad. Um, I don't, I don't really like their catching situation. I do like Alejandro Kershaw. Um, but yeah, like I don't, <laughs> I don't think they have like a they, one they through have, nine that's gonna pieces. get you to the World Series. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. They have pieces. Like, I think they're, they're a couple they're of a moves short. Make a run. They're a team that can make a run and be dangerous if they get too hot. But like projecting them to get so hot to begin the season is a little ridiculous. No, uh, I I agree. I actually I absolutely believe that the Blue Jays can make a run. I just don't want to predict them to be in the World Series. Like, I, don't, I don't think they have it. I don't think they have a World Series. You're right. They're too young, and I think they're missing a couple of pieces. Yeah, when it comes down to it, and like the thick of it in the game, like especially come September. Well, I mean, if you take a look at it, you look at it from the Astros of last year. Like Martin Maldonado held them back so much. He didn't get a hit. Mm-hmm. I think the first hit of the postseason he got was actually against the Red Sox in the game that me and you went to, Griff. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was a and like and they lost in the World Series, obviously, but like still, like like having Alejandro Kirk, like 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 it's like the same kind of situation. They have the star power, they have the players that can do damage. They just don't have like a catcher is like the most important piece. Right, it's it's like the middle. It's like not having a middle linebacker. I love the cross sport comparisons, but like the Blue Jays, I think it's just a mixture of so many different things that even if they have the perfect series, the furthest I could see them is um, just missing out on AL pennant. I just really don't like their youth. I don't like the fact that like they're not proven yet. They're not proven at all. And when I see a team that gets a lot of hype, but I haven't actually seen anybody put it together, I just don't trust them. And and it's the same across all sports. And this year, it's going to be the Blue Jays. Last year, it was the Padres. And you know what? I fell on the hype for the Padres because um, they're young. They're fun. They're exciting. And the Blue Jays are like that. They're going to be fun to watch all year. I just don't think that they're up there with the Dodgers and the and the Yankees and the Sox and the and the Braves. I don't I don't think that they're there yet. I think that they're going to find their way there this year. And the next year we're going to be like, dang, this Blue Jays team is good. I think they're going to end up being better than the Padres in the long run. I just don't think that like I think that they're going to have a season Padres-esque this year. A little bit better than that because Padres really did fold last year. 
And speaking about teams who folded, do you guys want to transi- transition into the NBA? Or do we want to. To, we have any final no, remarks? I would love to. NBA? All right. Disappointment. The worst team of all time. The Los Angeles Lakers are officially eliminated from the play-in game. Never mind the postseason play-in. They couldn't even get the 10 seed. Wow. Is this the worst team of all time or what? Um, I'll start us. I'll start us. Um, yes, it actually is. Like, it literally is. And I was looking at this earlier when I was making our notes. Um, and we, we put together a large list of other notable disappointments. Uh, number one on that list being me. Number two on this list being another Lakers team. Um, the team with Dwight, uh, Steve Nash, Kobe, Powell, Metal World Peace. They made the playoffs. They didn't win a, a round in the playoffs, but they made the playoffs. This team, I think we had. Yeah, I think we needed to kind of put a like a little asterisk on our disappointing teams. All of these teams made the playoffs, so how, it, depending on how you view it, at least there's some success in a way and, where and they like the this Lakers team. I am bringing my mic closer to my face for point of emphasis. They couldn't get a top ten seed in the West. Exactly. That's what I wanted to say. Not only did they not make the playoffs, but in this era of all the other teams that we have listed here, we have the Lakers, the 96-7 Rockets, Magical Shaq and Penny, 2019 Celtics even, the 14 Nets, 07 Mavs, all of these teams, you had to be the eighth seed or better to make the playoffs. They couldn't even get into the top 10. And they expanded it for the play-in. Not only did this team not make the playoffs, they weren't top eight. Not only were they not top eight, they were not top ten. They were 11th seed at best right now. And LeBron James sitting on the bench in Phoenix (laughs) watching the Suns beat up his Lakers. He needs two more games to qualify for the scoring title, Will. If he plays in those games, Will, after not playing in an elimination game, what does that say for his legacy? It says a lot. I think it says a lot about his character. Never mind his legacy. Like, you're, like the best player in the world decided to sit at a game his team needed to play to make the playing tournament to go to the playoffs, and they lost. And he actually left before the game was over. What are we doing? Like, I, 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 I don't know. I That's hate to interrupt. Like, I. Okay, yeah. But I really want to agree with that about, especially about his character. But continue with what you were saying. I feel like I needed to put my two cents in there. 100%. No. Um, what I was saying was, one, his character. Two, I hate saying this because I'm not, like, the biggest LeBron fan. But, like, that's not my LeBron, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, if if he did that when he was on the Heat, that would that would be crazy. Absolutely crazy. No one would ever let that down. But because the Lakers are some kind of – misformed team they're not playing well and they're just like oh whatever it's lebron he doesn't really feel like playing what do you mean doesn't really feel like playing like what is this garbage like i'm sorry the best player in the world cannot be doing things like this oh i just uh, like he's out of la there's no way he plays for the lakers next year it's just i'm it, sorry like it's so ridiculous it, if i'm the lakers i don't want him to play for me I mean, like, like i, I don't know like it's just about that do you want lebron on the lakers again like if i'm the lakers gm I see this guy who we're paying a lot of money to be the face of our franchise, to be the greatest player of all time, who ref- like won't play in essentially a playoff game. This is a playoff game. Your season's on the line, and he just doesn't play. Like I hate – actually, I don't hate this. 
Look at UNC. Look at how many of those guys literally would have to be shot in the head not to play in that game. Your season's on the line. Like, Armando Baycott was playing with what LeBron was playing, like, what isn't playing with. Like, Brady Manick was getting elbowed, punched, scratched, clawed at. He stayed in the game. Caleb Love probably pulled every single muscle in his leg. He still played. Then look at LeBron. Like, what kind of – that really makes me upset, and I refuse – like, it it pisses me off, to be honest. Like, not only as a LeBron hater, if you want to call me, but as a fan of the game. Like, when the season's on the line, you try to play. I released this back to KD in 2019 – yeah, the 2019 NBA Finals. KD was hurt. He still played in the NBA Finals. He came back and got hurt again. Yeah. He tried, and he – I mean – that's why I have a tremendous amount of respect for KD again, because he's a guy who will always play. Even James Harden last year, he was playing on a bum hamstring in the playoffs. You know, he wasn't hundred percent, but he didn't, he didn't back down. You know, he played, he tried. And that's all you can really ask for as a fan. If I'm a Lakers fan, I look at LeBron and I'm like, what the hell, man? Like we, we sit here, we make signs about you. We buy your jerseys, we buy your shoes. And you can't even play for us when the season's on the line. As a fan, I'd feel disrespected. Really, at the end of the day, it's it's not – sorry, Griff. It's, it's, is it really for the love of the game or is it for the love of the record, the love of the points, yep. the love of the rebounds, the assists, like the love of the championships? Like you should be – like I don't know. If you're chasing legacies and you don't play in a, in a game that determines whether or not your season continues for another month and a half, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why LeBron thinks we're idiots. And when we look at games that he misses out like this, we know what he's doing. We know why he's sitting out. It's his 19th season. He's chasing these personal achievements, the scoring record. Um, Last year was the assist record. But with this scoring record here, um, he's looking to become number one all time. He's also looking to win the scoring title for this season up against Joel Embiid, who currently holds the lead. My guess is Joel Embiid is actually going to come out and win that because I don't think LeBron should play the rest of the season. If he does, not only is it a disrespect for the Lakers organization, it's a a disrespectful move for the game of basketball. And I feel like he's gotten so caught up in the comparison between him and Mike, who's the GOAT, that he's just chasing towards personal stats where it's not the best of all time. That's not what we ask about. And I I stress this on everybody. There's a difference between the best athlete or the best player in a game that you've ever seen. There's a difference between that and the greatest of all time. He's so focused on, well, if I get the scoring achievement, I'm the GOAT. That's not how it works. Being the GOAT is being the greatest, the greatest of all time. Not the best when it comes to numbers. It's when, when this game is all said and done, what did you do for the game? And LeBron didn't do anything for the game. It's what the game has done for LeBron. That's the way that he looked at it. He just totally took a stupid route at this. Um, and it makes the mic debate a lot easier, in my opinion. I think that this opens up the door a lot more. It creates a lot of space between LeBron and Mike. Because even in this last game, if somebody told Michael Jordan he wasn't going to play this, or if somebody told Michael Jordan he could play in this game, and this is to pretty much cement his legacy. And if he plays in this game, he can't play for the next year. I guarantee you Michael Jordan is playing in this game. That's what he yeah. does. We all watched the last dance. Um, we weren't alive for Michael Jordan on the Chicago Bulls. We've seen plenty of things to support our case that 
Michael Jordan is the GOAT. Michael Jordan, his rookie year, tried playing on a like a broken ankle where it was like, if you hurt this again before surgery, Mike, you're never going to play basketball again. And he actually had the toughest time of his life not playing basketball. LeBron James doesn't care if he's playing basketball or not right now. And LeBron James has played a lot more years than Mike has. There's a lot better medicine um, in this era. There's a lot better uh, knowledge of, of diets everything. and treatment, yeah. everything. Yeah. So it makes sense that LeBron's entering year 20 next year, year 21, whatever year it is. I actually don't even know. I, I think he's in his 19th year. Le, but LeBron James, he just really – this is what does it for me. It's things like this. When LeBron starts to get you back, he does some some BS like this, and it's like he really doesn't actually care about the game of basketball like a lot of other players did, like Mike, like KD. KD is, first off, KD is in love with basketball. Kevin Durant is by tell. far. And you can the, tell, too. He loves basketball more than anybody else has ever loved basketball. Michael Jordan loved winning more than anybody else loved winning. LeBron James loves himself more than anybody else loves LeBron James. And I, and that's why there's a big difference between these guys. I think LeBron should face unreal criticism if he comes back. Like, yes. to be honest, it's not going to happen. It's not going to yeah. happen. Well, no one's, thing no is, one's ever discredited him for never taking the last yes, shot. It's exactly. People who love LeBron are like, oh, he just wants to spread the wealth. He wants to make the younger guys eat. Clearly, he doesn't. They lost three of their big players in the last four years, and they're all stars. Yeah. Like, that brings up the exact point that we made last episode about how all the guys are leaving the Lakers, the LeBron Lakers, and thriving in other systems. And we can talk about how he really does not care about winning, like, forever. However, that will never be the narrative. Just because nobody ESPN house, whatever you get your sports information from, nobody will discredit LeBron James in the league. No one wants to check him. Nobody will ever. Yeah. Like it just, it it kind of because yeah, we'll check him here at inside the five. If you want unbiased, (laughs) if you want news reporting on how it actually is, you come here because if you want two word tweets, Go to at Inside the Five Pod because I seem to do that all the time when I'm watching games. I'll just tweet out like the name of somebody. <laughs> so, but you'll never see me tweet out the name of LeBron. That's why I brought that up because he never does anything that that deserves that in a good way. It's really Maybe a bad. Way. It's really it's really unfortunate to be honest. Like I kind of irks me, pisses me off every time we talk about the Lakers. I really hate talking about the Lakers because I don't think they deserve our time. To be honest, like it, if this was any other extremely team, honest this week, like if Super this was honest, any other and like if this was any other eleven seed, no one would care, like about them. Like, could you tell me who the eleven seed right now without looking at the the standings? Who the eleven seed is in the East? In the East. I'm glad you brought that up because I was about to say, like, I, I was literally going to say I couldn't even tell you who the 11 seed in the East is right now. I don't know. Is it? The, no. Wait. Actually, can I throw out a guess? Yeah. Is it the Orlando Magic? No. I'm not going to answer until Will gives his guess. Oh. Will looked it up. Way to go. Uh, no, I already had it open because I was looking no, for fair. the next part. No, that's of fair. That's NBA fair. segment. So I, I was looking at the Western Conference because yeah. I was going to say a couple things, but yeah, no, like 
as was the Wizards. Yeah. Like, exactly. It, it's a, like, no one talks about the Wizards this season. Are you, are you kidding me? Like Kyle Kuzma's having a year on that team too. Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> he cares about Kyle. <laughs> I'm just saying, it benefits the fact that we're talking about LeBron. He hated him, and now he's good. Yeah. He is good. He is good. Boy. I think. All right, yeah. let's let's kind of redirect the energy <laughs> here to away from the Lakers, and um, and Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, about anything trash. <laughs> let's looking back at this season. Let's talk about what teams surprised us because the season's coming down to an end. I think regular season ends Sunday, which uh, we won't talk until the playoffs are confirmed, which I'm really excited to give our playoff predictions next week looking ahead. But starting, Griff, tell me what team did better than you expected originally? Um, this this might be an obvious answer to some, but straight up the Memphis Grizzlies. They're the two seed in the West. John Morant um, – I wouldn't even say that John Morant has carried them. It's just the team overall. This team reminds me a lot of a college basketball team, the way that every single person on that roster has bought in. We remember last year when Iguodala was on this team and he wanted out, and there was so much beef because he was the last guy to buy in. He didn't buy in. They got rid of him. They are now the number two seed in the West. Now, I'm not sure what they're going to do in the playoffs, but over this regular season, the Memphis Grizzlies have by far – been the most surprising team to me. The fact that they are 55 and 24 right now with a couple games left in the season. They're still eight games back of the Suns, but the Suns have had a phenomenal year. The Memphis Grizzlies have really put it together, and, it, and it's been a few guys stepping up that we weren't really ready for. Dylan Brooks averages 18 and a half points a game. Um, Desmond Bain also averages 18 a game. Jaron Jackson Jr. is really starting to put it together. I'm very happy that Jaron Jackson Jr. played 76 games this year. I'm a big fan of him out of Michigan State, and I think he's done very well playing that little unicorn four where he can really do it all. It's just been great to see a team like this that's young. They're fun. They're exciting. John Morant is leading them into the playoffs right now, but really when John Morant's not out, and this has been the most surprising part to me, when John Morant has been out, They've remained successful. I'm going to have to go with the Grizzlies here. They've put together a great year. What do you got, Will? Um, I actually I want to talk about two, like just two small points. Um, I have the Heat. Heat were in the middle of the pack last year. They're not. They weren't really a team that I was going to expect to be the one seed or really be fighting for that one seed. I expected them to stay around like four, five, six, maybe even creep up to like the third seed. I mean, we always talk about Jimmy Butler being able to will a team. We just haven't seen it in the regular season yet. So that was a big surprise for me. Tyler Hero actually stepping up and playing really well. Obviously, Kyle Lowry being on the team, I didn't really know how much of a difference he was really, really going to make. I know he's still good. I'm not going to discredit him a ton here, but like I don't really know how he was going to fit on that team. Um, but they did really, really well. Another team – um, who almost boosted up seven seven um, seeds from last year is the Cavs. They've really brought together something, having a young, fun team, signing a few key players in the offseason, making some moves. They're, they're something to look out for in the future. Um, I wanted to talk about the Raptors. The Raptors really did surprise me. This is their first season since who knows when, where Kyle Lowry isn't leading them. You know, that, mm-hmm. that's been a consistent for them in their playoff runs in the past where Kyle Lowry is always there. He's there. He was their captain. He was the Toronto Raptors. I think he's their franchise leading scorer. He has all the accolades for that franchise. They traded him away kind of in a rebuilding process. You know, they acquired some young talent, some draft capital from the Heat, 
And people didn't really think about the Raptors being a playoff team this year. And as of the time of this recording, they're the fifth seed in the East. You know, they really, especially over the last few weeks, they really have gone on a great stretch. I don't really think they're a contender by any means, but I am surprised by them being a top five seed in the East. You know, I think if we were to talk about preseason predictions, which I will recap my preseason predictions after we do our next segment, but I had the Raptors not even making the playoffs. And I think a majority of people had them kind of being at the bottom of the East. So seeing them in the playoffs, especially that fifth seed, it's very interesting to see how um, the Raptors kind of rebounded from all the criticism they were receiving. And um, now on the opposite end of the spectrum, I think we should talk about what team did worse than we expected. And I'll just kick things off because I ended the last one. The Hawks. The Hawks were very disappointed to be this year. Um, I think they're the ninth seed in the East right now after being the fourth seed in the East last year after having a great playoff run going to the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, obviously the season isn't over and they very well could still make a run. However, they got to go through the play-in game against the Hornets, who are a very average team. And the Hawks were a lot of people's like top four teams in the East this year. You know, they dethroned the 76ers. They embarrassed Ben Simmons. They kind of sent the 76ers in a spiral. Trey Young in Madison Square Garden literally just asserted his dominance in that first-round series. And they took the Bucks to six. They went up 2-0 in that series, I believe. And no one really talks about how disappointing the Hawks were this year. And I'm interested to hear what you guys have to see or say about what teams did worse than we expected. Will, what do you think? Um, I got the Nets this year. I mean, I think that's like kind of almost an obvious pick given that they have Kyrie. They started off the year with Harden and KD. Obviously, Kyrie didn't really play much of the year. He's just now playing. They're coming back. They're in the play-in. So, I mean, like coming from the – perspective that everyone was kind of predicting them to have like a crazy good season like they were supposed to be like a good favorite like there always will be when you have three superstars on the team I don't know I just it, it was just too obvious not to pick them I'm just gonna be honest but at the same time like they're just disappointing like you have KD Kyrie and you had Harden at some point now you have Ben Simmons obviously that's not really that much better but like having K- Kyrie and KD on the same team that's like ridiculous and they have other supporting cast members too who are really good. So, Drummond. Dr- exactly. Drummond, Curry, like they have, they have a Nicholas Claxton. They have a lot of guys. And, and the Nets have been um, a team you could compare to the Lakers, where we're shifting from an era of signing three amazing players to a super max deal and kind of just filling in the rest of the roster spots. And we're, we're transforming that into a you need to be a team that buys in, and this is a lot better for the NBA, and and I hope you guys agree with me here. The NBA, the way that it's shifting, you need to have a full team. One through five has to be solid, and if you play an eight-man rotation, one through three off the bench has to be solid. Sometimes one through four has to be solid. Every single player on this team has to be good, has to be running up and down the court. I'm very happy that um, the Nets and the Lakers, teams like that, are not succeeding. I think if it did, it would turn more into a business. I'm glad the Suns are being very successful. I mean, obviously, they have CP3, they have DeAndre and they have D-Book. But they kind of did it all on themselves. All they added was really CP3 and Jay Crowder. And we know how much I hate Jay Crowder with his um, uh, fadeaway three-pointers and breaking them for the Celtics. But uh, moving back on to 
focus in and tunnel vision. My team that really disappointed me this year was the New York Knicks. Obviously, a rival of the Celtics, but just straight up from an unbiased standpoint, the New York Knicks were coming off a very good year. A very, one of the best years that they've had in the, it, since the mellow era. Um, playoffs, obviously losing to the Hawks. And the Hawks, I was very disappointed with as well this year. And a lot of Eastern Conference teams just really have not performed to the way that we want to see them. Um, and Chicago is one of those teams who started off hot and then we realized, wait, they don't beat good teams. They fell off. Um, the Knicks just straight up all year haven't been good. And coming off a year with Julius Randle, it was like, is Julius Randle going to be an all-star this next year? Clearly he was not. Um, Mitchell Robinson, we thought he was going to be a lot better than he was. The Knicks just overall really took a tumble. And um, they're officially eliminated. They finish off the season 35 and 44. Their one bright spot um, was the rise of R.J. Barrett. I think R.J. Barrett had a great season. I think R.J. Barrett really cemented himself as a guy that's going to play very good defense. He averaged 20 points a game this year. R.J. Barrett did very well after kind of a few years of like, okay, R.J. Barrett is like a French starter in this league. I really think R.J. Barrett's a starting two, a starting three for most teams in the NBA. So that's a bright spot of that team. I knew this team was screwed once they were like, you're not playing anymore, Kemba, when Kemba was averaging like 35 in in that five-game stretch. Obi Toppin stinks. Um, Evan Fournier stinks. Derrick Rose didn't play enough. It was just overall – like it was a huge downfall for the Knicks, a big market. You want to play at MSG. They really let me down this year, stuff. No, I agree 100% with what you said. I mean, they were a four seed. I, right, yeah, they were a four seed in the yeah. East last year. And they, on paper, they got better. You know, they acquired Kemba Walker via sign and trade with the Thunder, I believe, after the Celtics traded Kemba to the Thunder. And they acquired Evan Fournier in a free agency. They paid him a bag, and he, he was very disappointing. I mean, after that opening night game against the Celtics where it was like a double overtime, crazy shots back and forth, like everyone really thought that the Knicks were that team again. You know, everyone had the expectations through the roof of this team. And then they just fell off. You know, Julius Randle did not play well at all. Like I I kind of wanted to say that he was he's wasn't ready for that much pressure to be on him. Because last year we kind of saw him like he was playing good basketball. He was loose. He was having fun. That Knicks team was fun and he had no pressure on him. No one was really had any expectations. And now this year there were a lot of expectations for the Knicks, you know, and they fell off, you know, they, they couldn't live up to the expectations that Tom Thibodeau was, I think was awful for them. I think he's not the coach for them. I think he's going to get fired, especially what are they in a they're the 12th seed right now, and the, they're eliminated, obviously, from postseason contention. But I agree with everything you said. And to, unless anyone has any final thoughts, I want to break down my predictions, the preseason predictions, this note that I have on my phone from October – I mean, you probably can't see it in the camera. October 15th, 2021, 2.38 p.m. That was opening day for the NBA. So – Let's kick it off with my Eastern Conference predictions. So I'm going to go one through 10 I have. So starting off, I had the Nets at the one, Bucks two, Hawks three, Celtics four, Sixers five, Bulls six, Heat seven, Hornets eight, Wizards nine, Knicks 10. So in a variation, I nailed all the playoff teams besides the Hawks. Um, the Hawks are in the play-in right now, but and the Nets actually. But 
I nailed the the Bulls at the sixth seed, which is kind of surprising, I guess, for some people. But then going to the West, Suns at one, Nuggets two, Clippers three, Jazz four, Lakers five, Warriors six, Mavs seven, Grizzlies eight, Trailblazers nine, Minnesota ten. And then I had for individual rewards or awards, Luca winning the MVP, Marcus Smart winning Defensive Player of the Year, and I had Cade Cunningham winning Rookie of the Year. So individual awards, I guess I'm two of three on this, but this just proves how crazy the NBA season can get. You know, I feel like in some way we would have all had similar predictions. So it's just, it's crazy to me how the season's almost over. You know, we have a month left until the thick of the NBA playoffs. What do, do you want to give early predictions for the play-in series? Who's going to win what? Free As it, uh, yeah, no, I'll, I'm down to get a little freestyle going. If the season ended today, we'll go. So the Cavs would play. Um, the Cavs would play the Nets. The Hawks would play the Hornets in the first round. I guess we'll start in the Eastern Conference. I'll get it started. Um, I'm just gonna go through the whole whole play plan. The Cavs are playing the Nets. Um, I'm gonna go with the Nets here winning this game. And then the Cavs are going to play the winner of the Hawks versus the Hornets. I think it's going to be the Hawks. So that means the Hawks are going to end up playing the Cavaliers. Sorry if this gets a little confusing. I'll slow it down. The Hawks are going to play the Cavaliers to get the eight seed. And I think that the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to win that game. They're going to go on and be the eight seed. Will, I'll pass it to you. Cavs versus Nets, Hawks versus Hornets. And then loser of the 7-8 plays the winner of the 9-10. Um, Cavs versus Nets. I got Nets, and then I got uh, Hornets beating the Hawks, and then right loser of the seven eight plays the winner of the nine ten. Yep. So I got Cavs versus Hornets, and I think I got the Hornets going. Wow. So I'm gonna go opposite of Will here, I guess. And Griff, you had the Cavs losing to the Nets. I think the Cavs are gonna beat the Nets. I think. It's going to be one of those off nights, and it's going to be kind of a wake-up call for that Nets team. Um, and I do think that the Hawks are going to beat the Hornets. We saw last year that the Hornets really weren't ready for the spotlight in the playing game. They got absolutely destroyed by – was it the – no, the Hornets destroyed the Pacers. I'm sorry. Right? No, 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 no. It was the, the Pacers beat the Hornets. The Pacers, the Pacers beat, beat the, the Hornets. Yeah, yeah the, the lights out of the Hornets. And I think it's going to be kind of similar. I think the Hawks are going to do the same thing. So it's going to be Brooklyn versus the Hawks, and I think Brooklyn's going to be that eight seed. And I'll just kind of keep it going with the uh, the West here. Um, so if it ended right now, so Denver and Minnesota are interchangeable. I think Denver just needs to win one more game to be confirmed yeah, to be in the I think playoffs. they will, and I think they will. Yeah, yeah. so this isn't really going to – I know the 9 and 10 are confirmed for the West. So – Minnesota versus the Clippers. I think Minnesota wins that game. And New Orleans versus San Antonio. I think San Antonio wins that game. And I think the Clippers. I, I really don't think there's going to be any variation with the seven and eight in both conferences. I think both the seven and the eighth seed are going to be the seven and an eighth seed in the playoffs. If that makes sense. That, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'll, I'll throw in mine. T-Wolves versus the Clippers. I got the T-Wolves winning that. I think the Timberwolves have actually been very solid. Um, I'm sad to see them slip out because they were in uh, playoff contention for a while. 
Um, slip down to that seven seed, get an extra game against the Clippers without Kawhi. I think Paul George is playing now, though, right? Um, yeah, he's, he's actually had a very good stretch. It doesn't matter. Uh, T-Wolves in one because there's only one game. Um, the Pels versus the Spurs. I think the Spurs win this. I think it's going to be a coaching masterclass. And I got the Spurs as a 10 seed playing the eight-seeded L.A. Clippers. And I'm hoping DeJounte Murray, who's currently uh, battling a sickness. Um, as you guys know, DeJounte Murray, one of my favorite players in the league. Um, don't ask me why. He just has been since he's entered the league. Um, he's been battling a sickness. He's lost around seven to eight pounds in the past week. Um, so hopefully he, he starts to heal up, um, starts to feel better, get well soon, DeJounte. And I think he will be soon or well enough soon to play in this game against the Clippers. I think the Spurs are going to win this game, lock up the eight seed after just sneaking into the play-in. It's going to be electric. Coach Pop is going to be in the first round playing against the Suns, Willie. Um, Timberwolves, Clippers, I got the Timberwolves. Pelicans, Spurs, I'm also going to go – I'm going to go with the Pelicans, and then I got the Clippers beating the Pelicans. So the seven and the eight. The seven and the eight. Um, well, yeah, I think that's going to wrap up the episode, guys, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have anything else. Other All than right, well, Grant Williams being the MVP, before we end, the Celtics have a worse winning percentage that, uh, without Grant Williams than the Bucks do with um, – Without Giannis, just throwing that in there. So, who's the actual MVP? Not wait, 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 wait. Not That's only crazy. did you just throw a jab at the Milwaukee Bucks, you just threw a jab at the whole country that the both of you call home. So remember that. I would never do that. No, I. Um, the Celtics. Right, not, not, not gonna, not gonna say anything. All right, we can. <laughs> right, I, I don't right. want to say anything. I regret. Yeah, I'll take I'll take us home before before stop gets a little bit too far. We hope you guys enjoyed. Um, enjoy the beautiful green grass, the beautiful brown trees, the beautiful deep blue water of Augusta National. Tuesday, not Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, <laughs> Sunday, four days of beautiful. Um, ending in a beautiful red-shirted man wearing black slacks, most likely black foot joy shoes. I know that's been a big controversy. Um, Taking home another green jacket. So we hope you guys enjoy. We will see you guys on Tuesday. And peace. Peace. Love you guys. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 